On today's show, we're continuing our series on the most interesting teams in the NBA voted on by you. We have today the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the reigning champions, and Rick Carlisle's Indiana Pacers. We'll talk about all those teams with Locked On NBA hosts coming up right now on Locked On Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. be right here 10,000 paces east oh east I thought you said weast and welcome you are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks my name is Nick Engstead media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network and joining me today three hosts from Locked On NBA channel covering different teams across the Eastern Conference the most interesting teams in the NBA we're going to start first with the Brooklyn Nets and Adam Armbrecht. But before we talk about that, it's small market versus big market Wednesdays on Lockdown NBA. Join Jake Madison of Lockdown Pelicans podcast and John Corrales from Lockdown Celtic to look at the NBA week from all angles. Follow Lockdown NBA podcast today on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And now let's hear from Adam Armbrecht on the Brooklyn Nets. All right, continuing our series on the most interesting teams in the NBA. I'm joined now by the host of the NBA favorites. Right. Champion favorites, Brooklyn Nets. It's Adam Arbreck from Lockdown Nets. Adam, what you got for me? Oh, it's just a, another good day in Brooklyn Nets land where we are. Just we're a dominant force. If we can stay on the court, who's going to stop us? Even your intro is just condescending right now, Adam. I just <laughs> you know what's you know you know what is weird though is that like I really from from last season and being a Nets fan pre the big three, like I really don't have a, a bravado or ego around like puffing the chest and stuff. Just every once in a while, because you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie and Harden, it's just like I, I probably have to be a little cocky because when you hear like <laughs> yeah. James Harden when they're like, oh, like what do you think? He's like, what do you mean? What do I think? I think we're gonna kill, crush everybody if yeah, we're right. on the court. You know, like. <laughs> They, they, they build it up in me a little bit, so. Comes with it. There were some, there's definitely some down days. I mean, let's let's remind people, the leading scorer in franchise history for your team was Brooke Lopez, and, pro- and still is Brooke Lopez, right? Like, th- there were some days there where it just was not looking that great. And, and that's pre-shooting the three-pointer, Brooke Lopez. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that guy wasn't even getting the volume from the outside that you saw once that's they sent him over the That's your dad's Brooke Lopez. That's not- <laughs> that's, yes, exactly. That's a, I don't even know if the, if the three-point shot was a thing in the NBA when yeah, Brooke right. Lopez was a net. Where do you stand with the people, and where do, where do you and the where do fan, Brooklyn Nets fans stand with the contingent of people that say, well, the Milwaukee Bucks won the title, good for them, happy for Giannis, but if our guys would have been healthy or even like, modestly healthy we would have just run away with it yeah i mean listen yeah i have the yeah you can look back at it and say give me 80 percent james harden give me just kyrie irving any of these pieces give me a healthy jeff green who knows what happens in that series maybe but doug and i talk a lot about this on the podcast where like every single season and every single sport there's one championship a lot of things happen throughout a year and throughout the playoffs and when the team gets crowned like there is no yeah, but no, Milwaukee won. It was a great mm. run for them. They did, they kind of checked a lot of boxes for themselves that they hadn't in years prior. They won the championship. I'm excited to see what happens this season if they meet up at full strength. But no, listen, hats off to them. And it's not like we look back and say, mission accomplished. The Nets have basically, you know, we did what we wanted to do. <laughs> we had the big three. We all feel like we could have won that championship. So if these guys decide to move on, we did what we wanted to do here. When has anyone said mission accomplished and it was like... <laughs> It, it actually was true, right? Remotely regarded as being, <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? 
only because you said that, I highly <laughs> doubt that this job is done. Uh, speaking of the health of, of all these guys, what's the status of these three guys? Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. What are the, what are the status of these guys heading into the season? Yeah, Harden's going to be good. He's been back in the gym working out. I just think that that was, unfortunately, the timing of his injury was going to be hard to recover from in real time. And you saw him out there, and we all know that wasn't full strength, James Harden. So it was just a matter of, hey, if I can get through the rest of this postseason, however long it was going to run, get myself back to healthy, I'm good. Kevin Durant, he's in great shape. Everybody saw what he did uh, for Team USA. Obviously, went ahead and (laughs) he's full throttle. There's a lot of Nets fans saying, how much wear and tear do you want to put on? It's like, dude, this guy missed a lot of basketball, and that's all that he's about, so don't slow him down. And then Kyrie, I mean, day-to-day, they say right now, I don't see any restrictions on him. And I think, unlike maybe last year where you didn't have Harden in from the start of the season, I I think you would anticipate them wanting to come out the big three with with LMA now, with Millsap, with with you know Blake Griffin back, and just get a sense of this team at full strength right out of the gate. So everybody should be healthy. We should be good wow. to go still a few weeks away. And I think Kyrie would be right, I mean, almost as always in his career, would be the little, let's just wait and see, make sure that he's out there giving you 30, 35 right out the gate. That Kyrie recently had tweeted some sort of metaphor that was just a, a, a terrible metaphor because it used you know, the mask vernacular, right? It was yes. like mask on or, or whatever like that. What became of that tweet? What became, you know, I saw you guys post an episode that says the, the Nets are not trading Kyrie Irving. Like, get over it. Was it just fan, you know, panic? Or was there actually some legs behind, oh, this is, Kyrie is actually not happy with whatever the NBA is doing or whatever the Nets are requiring them to do as far as masks and vaccines and all that kind of stuff. What's this? What's the deal with him? No, listen, this is that thing where from a Kyrie Irving personality, he's a smart guy. And I think he likes to mess with people like it it was completely intentional that he used mask off, you know, be who you are. Basically, it had nothing to do with the with the pandemic, with covid, with protocols or anything. But it was very much like I'm going to use a mask metaphor just just to see maybe how how people react to it. So (laughs) unfortunately, that that comes with it. But no, there's there's no problems there. You know, we talked about the Kyrie's not being traded. It's because obviously you get um, some. I can't call it speculation. You just get somebody making up, uh, you know, a statement yeah, right. that maybe Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving. So, you know, Doug and I, when narratives like that come up, it's important to obviously you're going to talk about them because the fan base wants to hear about it, but also look at it in totality and and be be critical, like you know, use critical thinking on it. And basically, it was like that wasn't a thing. And and even from a pure player for player, uh, you know, player for player swap, it wouldn't make any sense for for Brooklyn even from that standpoint. And this idea that when big names get mentioned potentially in trades, et cetera, you always come back to this thing of you know that when you when you do this, when you make trades like that, it doesn't guarantee you anything. Like you you have no more of a guarantee making a move than with what you currently have, especially when you're talking about moving a guy who's a top 15 player, one of the elite scorers, one of the elite ball handlers for a dude with absolutely zero offensive game, which as we said on the podcast, philosophically goes completely against what the Brooklyn Nets have been building under Sean Marks. Yeah, that just wouldn't make sense. And I wouldn't call Ben Simmons a guy with no offensive capabilities. I mean, may, maybe a little too far there. Not a good offensive abilities. <laughs> there's, there's an ability. He can't do the one thing on offense you need a NBA basketball player to do, and that is to shoot and score the ball. He can't or drop a, a basket in wide open under the rim. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could examine here. <laughs> in it's the not playoffs, even in any yeah, moment and, of pressure. <laughs> right, any big spot, anything that really matters. And listen, and that, it's not even a knock on, on Ben Simmons, by the way, because just – from the bird's eye view, Doug and I also talked about like, 
this is what's fun about the offseason when when these things that really have legs and you're wondering where free agents are going to go. That is interesting. It is exciting to dive in on that. For us, though, it's reminding the Nets fans like, hey, we did this dance. We, we got all the big names. Now, now it's about the second part of the journey, and that's, of course, the championship. This big three, we only saw them together, and I have to just remind myself and pretty much everybody, we only saw them eight games together in the regular season and then what, like, you know, seven games or something like that in the playoffs? Just, like, not many. Uh, what did we see in just that short time, how they're going to run, how they're going to maybe stagger guys, how they're going to be used, you know, Kevin Durant starts and he gets his at the beginning and James Harden gets his, you know, with the bench unit. Like, what did we see from those guys that just excited you and was like, oh, dang, they have something here. Yeah, for, for as small as that eight game sample size Real was, it, it also, though, it, it gave you the blueprint. And I think just anyone could have seen these elite offensive players. It's going to be a problem for other teams. but. Once James Harden and and once Kyrie, by the way, moved into their respective roles of, okay, James Harden's going to be the point guard. He's going to be the facilitator. Mm -hmm. That, I think, really opens things up because James Harden's mentality here as opposed to his time in Houston, and and there was little stints that he had there depending on the personnel around him, but he comes in and says, I know I can get mine at a certain point. I can take over a game for a stretch in the second half, but early, I want to feed KD. I want him to be to be getting his motor going. I know Kyrie wants to get his look. So I get to facilitate and then worry about when do I need to maybe put my stamp on this game? When do I need to do my little step back three, et cetera? So they're an offensive problem for no matter no matter what team it is. It's interesting to see that the big transition from last year to this year now is the supporting cast. You bring back a guy like Bruce Brown, you bring back Blake Griffin. That makes a lot of sense. No more Jeff Green here. And the one thing that we always talked about was, and obviously the move uh, off from DeAndre Jordan, another shrewd move from Sean Marks, in my opinion, uh, getting a trade of any level of value and also moving off the money. But now you have LMA back from retirement. Now you bring in Paul Millsap. All of a sudden, you start to bring in a little bit more size, a little bit more length, and that's probably the one area that you wanted to see the Nets address here from last year to this season, which now affords you to say, KD, Kyrie, and and Harden, do your thing offensively. We're, we're going to have enough length and strength, really, to balance it on both ends of the floor because I, I, I doubt that any team could run with them full strength for a seven-game series and stop them offensively. But this is probably like the little extra Sean Marks. But what I'd love to do is bring in just enough so that if we need to get a handful of key stops, it's not going to come down to can Kyrie, can Harden turn it on, can KD turn it on? Because you did see that with KD by himself, what it looked like. Can he do it at both ends? Of course. But he's also going to be so gassed that at the end of the series, the final game, he just goes, whatever it is, man, it's going up. I've got nothing left, right? <laughs> I'm so going to take can, this three with my toe on the line. and <laughs> yeah, well, by, <laughs> Which, by the way, I couldn't believe how, how long that lasted of like, oh, if he wore the right size shoe, he was healthily over the line. It wasn't going to, this wasn't about, he would have had to have cut his toes off in order to be able to fit into a shoe to make that shot. So Doesn't he, didn't, didn't it come out that he wears like oversized, like bigger shoes than he needs to though? Yeah, he does wear, he wears a size bigger than he needs to because he likes do, to have a little bit of wiggle room. He said one size, or do we know how many sizes bigger he likes to? Like, <laughs> I think it's just one. Although I will say, because like I, I'm obviously a normal size human. So when I think about like wearing a size bigger, it, I'm like, yeah, it's like what, another half of an inch? But when you have size 11, 12, you know, 33, like shacked yeah. it. Yeah, like I, that could be another seven inches for all I know. <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Like another. <laughs> in so many different areas of life wouldn't we all like just a little bit more oh last last thing for you are you ready for the number of tweets from from people that watch the nets this year that go oh my god they have a guy named david duke who is this guy? 
who is this guy? Because it's going to happen probably every single Nets game, especially national TV. <laughs> He's actually one of the things that we're going to be watching for because he, he could be in line to get that second two-way contract. The Nets have committed uh, to Kessler on the one. They still have another spot mm-hmm. open that'll play itself out over the end of this offseason into training camp, into the preseason, certainly. Um, he had a great quote, though, because he was asked about it. When he was drafted, I you know talked to Doug. I said, boy, that's a interesting yeah. you know, interesting name given who it's tied uh, to. For, for those that don't know, we have a lot of international listeners. David Duke... That's- it, the, the name David Duke used to be like the leader of the Ku Klux Klan, like the KKK in the United States. So it, it's a name that you're like, oh, that guy's name is David Duke. Like a weird, weird not, thing to be named. Not, not what you call great yeah, <laughs> in right, terms of yeah. name association. Um, but, but he was asked about it, I think, during the uh, the the uh, Vegas League, you know, the summer league. And he was, they said like, oh, you ever think about maybe going by something different or having yeah. a nickname or like, what do you feel about it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because Dave Duke. And, but, but David Duke's response was, he goes, no, why should I change my name? I haven't done anything wrong. Like I'm trying to ball out. I'm trying to like play basketball. Like he's like that. He's like, that dude should change his name. He's like, he's the guy that has all the problems. Like, which I thought was a really apt response. Like I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, why are we saying yeah, Oof, you wouldn't want to be associated with him? Screw that guy. How about, yeah. how about we start thinking about David Duke and say, what a great player he is, young talent for the Brooklyn Nets. And that's how we'll go forward though. I'm sure. We will catch a couple of those uh, questions during the course of the season as uh, as the Nets get underway. I'm just imagining a tweet from somebody every single game like, oh, my God, they have a guy named <laughs> just somebody. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, you can reference back, please. Just reference back. They will, <laughs> we'll have to pin one to the account. J- disclaimer. Yeah. We are not running with we, uh, 63, 70-year-old yeah. <laughs> David Duke, former uh, they're not the same person yes exactly there you go adam Rombrek, locked on nets go follow them at locked on nets and the podcast it's gonna be interesting watching this team and i'm i know i'm gonna catch more games than i'm expecting like oh let me just tune in real quick to this fourth quarter with the nets so adam Rombrek, thanks for joining us yes sir coming up we'll get into the milwaukee bucks but before we do let me tell you about direct tv stream does this sound familiar to you you've got one device that lets you catch the game another one that wants you to you know watch the game live another one that lets you stream your favorite shows you're watching sports on something else you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for something good or your uh x twice removed maybe their login for something else well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your TV live and on demand together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Again, directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package on Direct TV Stream. Also, if you are an NBA fantasy lover, first of all, you should be listening to Lockdown Fantasy. But second, you should be checking out Sleeper. Sleeper is a fascinating way to use their one-of-a-kind game pick. It's the most strategic fantasy basketball experience in the industry. How it works is in 2018, the fantasy sleeper experts realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were won and lost based on whose players had the most games scheduled that week. So they changed it up and made a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Sleeper. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played for opponents. So go check out Sleeper right now uh, and use their one-of-a-kind Game Pick. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. All right, continuing on our series on the most interesting teams in the NBA, voted by you, the reigning champion Milwaukee Bucks are bringing in Kane Pittman again. Kane, you've probably been the most frequent uh, other Lockdown host on Lockdown Mavs, I think. Congrats. 
Well, I always get uh, lovely reviews as well. The Lockdown Mavericks listeners are very <laughs> kind to me, and part of me suspects maybe they voted the Bucks because they knew if they voted the Bucks, they'd, they'd be get back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Yeah, that, I'm down for that. that under, yeah. That's understandable. It worked. I'll hey, tell if, myself. I'll tell yeah. myself that. Okay. If that would is if that's what their goal was, they succeeded. So well, I brought Kane Pittman on. We're gonna talk about some bucks. Uh, they're the reigning champion. I, that, they're gonna hear that all year. Like it, it continues on through another till another team wins and in, in you know June. Pretty awesome feeling. Uh, how's the feeling of re- repeating? Or is there even talk about that yet? We haven't really got to it yet on locked on bucks. But I would imagine, and all teams are going through this. I know you're going to be at Mavericks Media Day. Uh, the Bucks announced today that their media day is going to be next Monday. And I would imagine it's going to be a question that comes up once or twice through the day, uh, I would suspect. But it still feels a little bit weird. I can't believe the season is so close. And it's felt like such a quick off season, particularly when you throw in the Olympics. But then I think Imagine if you're a Lakers fan. Now, of course, I don't feel a single, you know, I, I'm not, I don't feel sorry for Lakers fans. <laughs> Never. They, they had a month. <laughs> Man. Yeah, they, they got a whole extra. Yeah, and the teams that didn't, the teams that didn't make the playoffs or didn't even make the play in, they had even, even more time than that. Right. Uh, right. Wild. So, uh, so the Milwaukee Bucks, I mean, the, the, the whole story this whole season is going to be, probably more so focused on the Nets. We were even talking about this beforehand that it just seems like everyone's going to be talking about the Nets. I even, I mean, they're the title favorites right now on bet online and pretty much everywhere. Is there going to be some kind of like inferiority complex or why is everybody talking about the Nets instead of the Bucks or are the Bucks used to this because they, they haven't been a team that people talked about all the time. Yeah. I mean, no one really thought that they were winning the title until they won the title last to, year. To be I mean, honest, we had you on one time during the season, and you were even like, nah, they, they won't win the title. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, man. It, well, it was such a weird thing to to watch the Bucks and cover the Bucks last season because I think throughout the season, my constant narrative was that this team is better than they were in the previous two years. Mm-hmm. But you've got Brooklyn, and you've got other teams that are coming up, and they're playing better basketball. So my concern was... Uh, that even despite the fact I thought they were better prepared for the postseason, they would run into some of those teams. And I think that that, again, is going to be what we're going to look at this year. You talk about if Brooklyn are healthy, and not just the big three, but some of the other additions they have, and Paul Millsap, my guy, Patty Mills, yeah. uh, they're going to be a really, really tough team. So I think for the Bucks, the thing that you're going to be looking at is, well, okay, how much did they, they learn from last year and how much do they just not care anymore about being in a, a difficult situation or playing a good team? Because they spent most of the postseason with their backs up against the wall. So I, I'm really curious to see how they handle those types of situations through the year and whether they care or they just say, we're the champs. Why do we care about this team that hasn't won a title in Brooklyn? There is something to the once you win a title kind of deal. Like you get some kind of confidence behind you, right? Like I think I talked I talked about this with somebody, but the like the, those Lakers players like Kuzma and KCP and guys like that, once they won a title, it was like they were kind of on another level of like, oh yeah, we got this. We got this next level of confidence because we have that, you know, NBA champion like Kyle Kuzma like written on my back kind of deal. He probably didn't even need the confidence. He already probably had it, but some of those other guys maybe needed it. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see whether it has more of an impact on role players or it has more of an impact on Giannis, who still only 26 years old. We think that he could potentially get better. We saw the, the free throws in game six of the NBA finals. Does he all of a sudden now say, why am I nervous about free throws? I just went 17 for 19 to clinch a title. I don't care about this anymore. And he becomes a 75% free throw shooter. Who knows? Maybe Chris Milton, who's been really questioned 
quite Bucks fans more than anyone over the last few seasons. Is he good enough? Is he good enough? Number two, he had all those huge games. Maybe he comes back now and is even better again. So, yeah, I I thought last year this was a team that was carrying a lot mentally, given what they'd been through the previous two seasons, best record in the league, fallen well short. So to get over that hump, uh, I wonder. I wonder what it does for him. What's this team going to look like this season? It seems like, you know, the normal cast of players is kind of back. Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday's back. Uh, pretty much everybody is is going to be back. But what's the difference from last season to, to coming up into this season? It's funny because I think they're deeper. I think they actually are deeper than they were last year. If you, if you look even just the simple way to look at it is the backup point guard situation. So last year they had DJ Augustine. Uh, let's just say that didn't quite work out. <laughs> Fortunately, they were able to flip him for PJ Tucker, which was a great move. But then uh, they were running Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague played minutes in the NBA Finals. So now you have George Hill. Uh, he was obviously a, a great backup for this team going back a couple of, uh, of years ago there. Dante DiVincenzo is going to come back into the fold. They've added Grayson Allen there as well. And then you have some wild cards with Semi Ojale and Rodney Hood. Who knows what we're going to get from Maybe they're playable. Maybe they're not. But I do think they have... 11, 12 guys that you feel pretty comfortable with. Now, the the ironic thing about that is last year we spoke about the fact that they didn't have the depth and they sold out on the depth to get a guy like a Drew Holiday in. And then ultimately, once you get to the NBA Finals, you're only playing seven, eight guys anyway, so the depth yeah. doesn't really matter. So it might help them in the regular season. Does it really mean anything in the playoffs? Probably not. They got their stars back. That was the key point. Yeah, th- adding those guys is interesting to me. Grace Allen. Solid shooter should come in. We forget about Dante DiVincenzo. He was the guy. Like, if you had to, I think my next question was going to be, who's somebody that can improve on this team? You already talked about Giannis, how he can potentially even take another step. But I feel like Dante was the one guy that people were ready for him to be primed to, to jump into, like, a starting role and to take that by storm and even get better this season. Is he, what's his status for the start of the season? Should he be ready to go? Or are we going to be waiting for him for a while? And do you expect him to, like, maybe take a leap or take the next step? Yeah, there hasn't been any clear information about the injury. I I suspect just from talking to some people that it's going to be a a month or two into the season. I don't think he's going to be there on opening night, which again, made sense why you trade for Grayson Allen. I suspect, and I might be wrong, maybe they'll go with Pat Connaughton and someone like that. I think that Grayson Allen will slide in and play that fifth starter role that Dante did play before he was injured. But DiVincenzo is interesting because... If you talk to people about Dante, they say, well, he's, he's kind of an erratic defender. He'll get you some steals. He'll make some plays. Uh, he's a streaky shooter. And I look at the numbers and I say, well, yes, he is streaky, but most shooters are. In his rookie season, he was at 26%. In his second season, he got up to 32 Last season, he was up at 37.9%. So that that's pretty nice progression over that's the years. Streaking so up is what we call it. It's, what we call it. <laughs> it's not a streak. It's a, it's a trend. It's a trend. It's trending up. So if he even stays around there, 38%, maybe gets it up to 40 and still brings the defensive stuff he does. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a really nice role player for this team. He's never going to be a star because the shots aren't going to be there. The usage isn't going to be there, but he, he's an X factor for the team. How, how many years did Coach Budenholzer like earn or, or kind of like save himself basically by winning this title? Because there are times even in the playoffs, when was it? When they were down to the Bucks, we were like, it's done. It's done. He's gone. Coach Bud is fired. We were like, maybe Giannis will demand a trade. Like all this stuff we were like saying is they were going to break down in the second round. But they go, they win the title. And it seems like Coach Bud is like he's there for the long haul. Yeah, they're losing game two in Brooklyn by 49 points. 
And yes, yeah, that one. Even Bucks fans were like, maybe we can just make Darvin Ham the coach for the rest of this series. Like, can we do that? And if you remember, <laughs> if you remember back, and your listeners will will love this, Rick Carlisle was just on the market. Oh yeah. So Bucks, so Bucks fans were freaking out. They're like, we need to like make this move right now. We need to get Rick Carlisle in. Let's get rid of Bud. And then uh, look at the guy now. He said on Zach Lowe's podcast he wanted a twenty year extension. You could probably <laughs> give it to him. You could probably give it to him. He won a title. It's, he's got a job for life, whether it's with the Bucks or another NBA team. As you guys know, with Rick, once you're an NBA championship coach, you can coach for as long as you want. Yeah, until the uh, the star player doesn't really care for you anymore. Basically, you can you can do that. Yeah, I think even you can go back to our emergency pod after Rick left. We were like, oh, he's going to the Milwaukee job. Like that seemed yeah. to be. You know, right in right in step with what he was doing. We thought for sure that he's like, oh, he knows that that job is going to be open. Why else would he leave this situation with Luca to go somewhere else? And instead, he's like, well, I'll just go to in, go back to Indiana. Like, all right, Rick. <laughs> well, well, look, I mean, no offense to Malcolm Brogdon, but if the Bucks draw <laughs> or Sabonis, oh, oh Sabonis, old friend Malcolm Brogdon, we should say. But if you had the choice between Giannis or Brogdon, you're probably going to Milwaukee. <laughs> unless you're like hey i could go to this team and there'd be less expectations on me yeah, I don't have to right, go. yeah right. all that kind of stuff uh why should people watch the bucks what's what's gonna be interesting about them in the regular season are they gonna try to take the, the league by storm again like they did a couple years ago and had the best record or or what are, are we gonna see them kind of coast through this and try to just get to the playoffs this is the big storyline for us and that's why i'm so fascinated about the regular season because we were trying to as, as we all do at the network, we, we look at the, the lines at betonline.ag and we're like, okay, yeah. well, you like that? You like that? So we're like, well, how, does, <laughs> how are the Bucks going to be over? And I think it was 54 and a half or 55 and a half, somewhere around there. And, and I just keep coming back to last season where Giannis sat there for the whole season and he's like, well, you know, I mean, we lose games. What does it matter? It's fine. I'm having fun. This is great. Playing basketball. It doesn't matter. And I was like, yeah, this guy's just trying to deflect right now. This team has to be feeling the pressure. Ultimately, they won. So I can't see them changing the method. I don't think that they're going to go out and try and win 70 games. I think that they will uh, rest guys, particularly Drew Holiday and, and Chris Milton, who have just come off an Olympic campaign, literally went from the parade to the plane to fly to Tokyo and then played 24 hours later. So I, I, it might not be as exciting as what a 70 you know, win pace chase would be like it was <laughs> yeah, in 20, 2020 but but I just think I mean if you look at this team again like I said the confidence they might get from that uh, it's going to be fun to see what Giannis can do I mean the, this guy year over year somehow continually adds something gets better so if that's not good enough reason to watch the Bucks, I don't know man I don't know and I think there's going to be a real competitiveness with between them and the Nets. I think they'll look at all the attention the Nets will get and all the people picking the Nets and be like, we can beat them, and maybe that will motivate them during the regular season. It'll be interesting to watch. Interesting to listen to. Go check out Lockdown Bucks and follow Kane Pittman on Twitter or wherever you can uh, wherever you can find him. Just follow him around. I don't know. Uh, thanks, Kane. Yeah, and I'll be back on this show probably in a couple of weeks, so I'll speak to you then. <laughs> All right, next we're going to get into the Indiana Pacers with Tony East. But before we do that, let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and they're absolutely delicious. They sent me a new box of the brand new. You can hear it. Oh, I'm doing the full ASMR today. The real cookie dough inside of the cookie dough chunk. Boom. They sent me that bar, and they I like them. 
Isaac texted me out of the blue today and was like, hey, did you try that new Built Bar flavor? It's great. Everybody on the network loves them. They're absolutely delicious. You can go get them at Built.com. Use that promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off. Check out all the other flavors they have right now. Check out, I think they have the cookie dough chunk available right now. Yes, I'm on their website right now, and you can see they have that bar available. So go check that out if you have not yet. There are so many other ones you can choose from. Use that promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Also, want to tell you about BetOnline.ag. If you haven't heard about BetOnline yet, yet uh, you're missing out because they have all kinds of stuff all the time. They're doing a 50% welcome bonus up to $1,000 right now that you can bet on baseball, you can bet on the NFL. Betting on the NFL just makes it just makes the experience all the, all the better. If you're listening to the uh, the Monday Night Football, the uh, the Mannings, they had Pat McAfee on, and he was he was trying to get the uh, the Lions. I think were an 11 and a half point underdog to the Packers, and they were driving, and there was a pass for a touchdown, and it just added an extra layer of enjoyment for sports. So go to Bet Online, use the promo code Locked On. Or use the promo code NFL100 to get your bonus. You can bet on all kinds of stuff. Go to betonline.ag. Again, promo code LOCKEDON or NFL100. All right, continuing our series on the most interesting teams in the NBA. According to you guys, this team got a couple of votes. I was kind of surprised, but then I remember the Indiana Pacers now have Rick Carlisle as a head coach. Joining me now, Tony East, Locked On Pacers. What you got for me, Tony? Rick Carlisle is now the head coach in Indiana again. So it's going to be interesting to see how... He is re-implemented into this this franchise after his uh, his stint in Dallas away from Indiana. So let's start there. How, how do you think that came about? Like he liked his time in, in Indiana. I was like, all right, let me just relive this. Let me. I got some connections there. I'm just going to go back there. Or do you think he was actually the right fit for like this franchise and this this roster? I think both. I mean, he's talked. He has a lot of fond memories of being in Indiana. You know, he was an assistant when they were really good in the, the late mouse, 90s. The palace, you know, all the. Yeah, you know, that was not a good memory. <laughs> but they still did pretty well after that with him in charge. It was just the perception <laughs> of the team was was very bad, and that definitely played a role but, in him not being here longer at that time. Going back and watching that documentary on Netflix recently, the the mouse at the palace one, I was like, oh yeah, those teams were really really good. Like that, the Jermaine yeah. O'Neal, Ron Artest, like Reggie Miller, those teams were incredible. It's it's kind of well thought amongst the Pacers conglomerate and fans that, you know, 2004, if the brawl doesn't happen, the Pacers could have won a championship yeah. that year. Because that was their best team ever, probably. I mean, Ron was amazing. J.O. was fresh off getting top five in MVP. Rick was looking like the right coach for the team. They were really good Man. until that happened. So that's part of why he didn't come back that year. But, you know, he said his do- I think his daughter was born here uh, when he was coaching here originally. And he actually sense. was orig- originally an assistant in Portland with Arvidas Sabonis on the team and Arvidas and him were hanging out and Arvidas showed Rick Carlisle a video of Domas being born, which is kind of gross, but also <laughs> really interesting. So he feels connected to Domas as well. So from a, from a purely like emotional perspective, Rick's talked about how he he has fond memories of, of coaching here and is excited to come back and has a connection with the players. And from a basketball perspective, after swinging and missing on the creative hire last year, the Pacers were very excited to go with the established championship pedigree head coach this time. How do you bring that up? How do you bring up, you know, I saw you as an infant, like I a know. just instantly like born infant to do you bring that up in practice? Like I, I asked the question, I was like, what's it like to be coaching Domas after coaching Arvidas for a year in Portland? And he told the, the whole story. They were in Utah for a playoff series when he, when he showed me the video at his house or something like that. It, it, it was really an, an interesting story, but it, it sure was nice to get that insight into your new coach. Carlo has the, the weirdest, like most interesting stories. He's like one of those guys that's just done a whole bunch of stuff. He has his pilot's license. He'll fly around. 
Uh, I was I was watching Dan Patrick the other day, and he had Darius Rucker on, who was like the the lead guy from Hoodie and the Blowfish, and then went on to have his like solo career. And he said one time they were in either Dallas or I think it was Dallas, and they were doing a concert, and he and Carlisle like said, "Hey, can I come and play with you guys?" And he was like, "You know, normally that goes really badly, and we're just like, hey, you know, just play around and blah blah blah." He said. Rick Carlisle was the best fill-in we've ever had on piano. He's like an absolute genius at playing piano. And you're just like, that's so random and weird. But like, hey. Well, the, like, the Pacers are hoping he pushes all the right keys with this roster. Oh, hey, wow. Look wow. Look at that. I got to go. Yeah, give oh. me the soundboard. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, so this team, though. Uh this team, to me, is way more talented than, than they showed last season, right? They were 34 and 38 last season. Went on kind of a, a, a you know bad end of the season. They had that whole thing with the assistant coach and with Sabonis and like and, and Gogo Batazzi and all that stuff. Uh, where do you, What are the expectations for this team going in this season? Is it, let's just put the pass behind us. We're back to that team that's like, you know, uh, like a 45-28, you know, win team the season before that. Yeah, you know, I think talent-wise, they think they're close to that team that Nate McMillan led two years ago that was the four seed in the East. They have the, I mean, T.J. Warren's hurt, and who knows when he'll return, but they have the same starting five as that team, and they have a very similar bench with Torrey Craig and O'Shea Brissett instead of Doug McDermott. That That is what it is in terms of upgrades and downgrades. It's different skills, but you know, they feel like they have the same team, and last year was just really weird COVID protocols. Bjorkren stuff didn't work at all. Uh, yeah, you talked about the assistant coach spat. They had so many injuries at the same time. They were missing three starters at the same time for like 50, 60 days last season. So they think that if all the factors come together, they can be close to that team. But that said, a lot of other teams in the East are better since two years ago. So getting back to that win total might be hard, but being that talented of a team is certainly possible. Yeah, I remember they had that game where uh, they played the Dallas Mavericks and, like, they didn't have any centers. It was just, like, yeah. Sabonis, and that's it. And, like, Porzingis just, like, destroyed them because they didn't. Yeah, Porzingis had 27-13 and 13 in that game where they started uh, Sabonis, Justin Holiday, Doug McDermott. That was, like, their starting <laughs> group. And then basically no centers off the bench either. So, yeah, they, they, definitely the Mavs ran into that where they, you know, struggled to keep guys on the floor. Yeah, the Mavs had COVID issues. That was the unique thing for the Pacers is you look at all those teams have the stats of like games missed by key players. And yeah. all these teams that dealt with COVID had a bunch of missed. And then the Pacers are up there too, but they had one COVID missed game. It was all injuries. And that Mavs one game, was game one the whole year. Yeah, it was just Jakar Sampson for wow. one game. Yeah, that's insane. So O'Shea Brissett played a ton of center. He's like six, seven, and they signed him in April. And he's good, but he's not a center. And like they had to bring in a new two-way guy to play center. So health will also make them uh, better than last year. But again, the East is a lot better than it was when they were really good two years ago also. The Mavs had one COVID missed game from Rick Carlisle from a, uh, an incorrect test, <laughs> let alone all the, other, all the other stuff they had. So uh, this team, we hear a lot about they're going to, they can make a trade. They're going to make a trade. Miles Turner wants out. Uh, I think in fake trades all the time in any mailbag we do, it's like, can the Mavs get Miles Turner? He works out in the Mavs facility. What about Malcolm Brogdon? He would fit great with Luca and all that kind of stuff. What's your thoughts on them making a trade? Because the way I see it, they just brought in Rick Carlisle. You don't bring in Rick Carlisle if you're going to make this complete left turn and do what the Pacers have never done and just kind of blow it up, trade everybody, and try to just start over, right? It doesn't seem like they're going to do that, but what's your take on it? Yeah, I don't think they'll they'll maybe ever do that, but you know, with a, with a two-cent, Brogdon probably not going to get traded unless he specifically requests one, and no one on this team has uh, at this time. But the thing with Turner is, 
you know, they this is their third coach to try to make the Turner Sabonis pairing work, and it's it's fine. You know, against bad teams, it does really well. Against good teams, it does pretty bad. And they, they have enough complementary skills that you can squint and say, "We'll try again." And maybe Carlisle can make them click. But the difference between this time and past times of running out Turbonus is there's only two years left on Turner's deal. And if you get past the trade deadline this year, the next team that has him will have him for one year. And that's when his trade value starts to go down a bunch, right? Because he could leave in a year, right? So it becomes closer to a rental situation. Whereas if you trade him during the season or before the season even, which seems unlikely with training camp in five days, but yeah. They have two years. They can sell him on the culture, try to resign him. I know he's from Dallas, so Dallas even next year might view him differently. But you know that his trade value is about to tank in such a way that they'll have to assess pretty quickly if Carlisle can't get it to work. Okay, it's time finally for us to move on from one of these two do of in this duo and and figure out the next version of the Pacers is going to be. And likely that would be like you said, they don't tank trading him for a better fitting vet at a different position. And uh, you know it, it'd be probably Turner just given that Sabonis is a two-time all-star so that'll probably yeah. come to a head this season in some way whether it's Carlisle figuring out how to connect those guys or the Pacers finally going okay it's time for this what's random question what's Miles Turner like as a role guy I think we, we see him a lot the, the pick and pop type stuff where he or just stand in the corner kind of deal what's he like as a, a pick and roll because that's what Carlisle really wants in his center is a guy that can can rim run and then he's got somebody else to kind of space the floor so I'm curious how he's going to fit or if Carlisle's going to change his his scheme in Indiana yeah, if you want to watch film of Miles Turner on the roll, it'll only take about 70 seconds to watch all the film from his entire NBA career. I mean, his whole career has just been a pop guy. His rookie yeah. year, he played the four uh, next to, like, Jan Mahinmi was the starting center back then. The a- excuse guy. me, NBA champion Jan Mahinmi. NBA Mahinmi. champion, yeah. that's right. Another Mavs, another Mavs <laughs> legend there. And then uh, now he's playing with Sabonis. He had, like, two years as, as the lone center. But anyway, he almost always has been a popper because he's a good shooter. And Carlisle said that in his op- in his introductory presser. He was like, something I want to try with Turner is having him be a lob threat. And he is athletic. You know, you, you've seen the workout videos in Dallas. He can jump yeah. pretty high. So maybe that's the evolution. And I agree that that's how Carlisle likes his bigs, at least the ones on his spaced out Luka teams of late. So, you know, I, I don't really know how good Turner can be doing that consistently, but I'm excited if Carlisle can get him to mix it up a little more to see how that makes his game grow. Always good to have a like a you know fifth or sixth year in the NBA guy try something brand new in his career, right? Like always, that always goes over well. Actually, oh, worked good. for Brick Lopez, you know, That's coming true. out coming out of the three whole career. He went the other way around. He went from awesome role man to like wait, yeah. he took two hundred seventy threes this year. What? Yeah. Uh, we forget about Karis Levert, right? That whole Victor Oladipo trade and all that. At least outside of Indiana, we forget about that he's on that team. What's his role in this team? Do you think he's going to be like their leading scorer? At least, especially with. TJ Warren out, there's more shots around a little bit, but do you think that's his role in this team or where does he fit in the hierarchy of Brogdon and Sabonis probably one, two, and then maybe like Karis LeVert is like their third best player or does he maybe have a chance to become their best? Yeah, you know, he the 21 points per game after getting traded to the Pacers was really gaudy and then the Pacers last 10 games, he averaged 26 points per game, which is ridiculous and he's, look, he's not that level of scorer. We all know that and they were missing Turner and Brogdon and Warren for all that. So with Warren out at the beginning of the year, yeah, he'll probably be the guy. He'll get the ball a lot, and he'll probably be a 22 points per game score early in the season just because he'll have the ball so much. And we've seen how Carlisle, at least if he implements a lot of his Dallas stuff, will we'll do a lot of read and react, guard heavy, spread it out kind of stuff, which will be good for Levert. So I think he'll be the guy with the ball the most, and he'll put up some some really nice numbers. But Brogdon has always been pretty good when the when the floor is adequately spread. And you just talked about Miles Turner, and, and Sabonis can be the role man if they're rolling more, maybe that gets them more shot attempts. But it's, I think Levert's going to be the primary creator to open the season. And 
you know, again, 26 points per game over the last 10 games. Like, that's a ton. You know, he showed yeah. what he can do, especially playing with Sabonis for those 10 games. So I think that they'll give him the reins to start the season. And if it, if it pays off like it did at the end of last year, they'll keep going to that for a while. There you go. Indiana Pacers will be interesting to see how Rick Carlisle takes the helm. Uh, we had a mailback question recently that was like, will you boo Rick Carlisle when the Ma- when Indiana comes and visit- visits the-, the Mavericks? And I was like, I don't think people – I think people will – but uh, it's wow. I don't I don't understand their reason. I th- I guess because he he just left, like he decided to leave on on his terms instead of like getting fired or whatever. And people were soured on him by the end. But we'll see. I think there will be some boos. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So we'll pretend they're booing like Weinar or Jenny Busek or something. Not Carlisle. <laughs> right. That's how it'll be. <laughs> there you go. Tony East Locked On Pacers. Go check him out. Go follow him on Twitter and uh, listen to Locked On Pacers for all your Pacers talk and the Rick Carlisle. Stuff.